Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Welcome to Silverdale Baptist Church. It's so good to see all of you here worshiping with us today. Merry Christmas. I'd like to welcome all of you at our Creekside service, those at our Bonnie Oaks campus, North Udawa, St. Elmo, and all of you worshiping online. Uh, I'm Tony Wallace. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale. I have the privilege each week of getting to share with you God's Word. And so this is what I want to encourage you to do. Go ahead and take your Bibles, open up to the third book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke. You can turn to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And then also we have these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. And we give these to you so you can follow along and take notes. You always learn more when you take notes. So I always encourage you to take notes as we study God's Word together. Um, We are in a series called Peace on Earth. And isn't that what we want? Wow, I would love some peace. I mean, crazy 2020. Boy, do we need peace on earth. And many times when we look at the Christmas season, we go, oh, finally, love, joy, peace. That's what's supposed to happen at Christmas, right? Is we're supposed to have a peace. And we hear those songs, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And yet researchers tell us that it's the most stressful time of the year. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy with a lot of the challenges that we have in 2020 has just, you know, made all those challenges even worse. And a lot of people, because they have such high expectations of, okay, I'm going to experience joy this year. I'm going to experience peace this year that whenever Christmas is over, they have the Christmas blues, right? I'll have a blue Christmas, right? And somehow when we enter into the Christmas season, you know, you you got all the Christmas songs playing and, you know, on the radio or, you know, you know, you go to the mall or the shops and, you know, have a holly jolly Christmas and you go, I don't think I'm going to have a holly jolly Christmas. And sometimes what we do is we look at, you know, the, the beginning the first stories of Christmas of Mary and Joseph. And can I just tell you, they were not having a holly jolly Christmas. They were not. And yet, what they experienced was peace in the midst of their chaos. They experienced, you know, the the reality of Emmanuel, God with them, even when nobody else wanted to be with them. And they found joy in their journey. Why? Because they learned how to have peace even when your plans all fall apart. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you experience the peace and presence of God when your plans are all falling apart? And so let me just take a quick little poll. How many of you would consider yourselves planners? Any planners here? I mean, I am a planner, okay? I I have my weekly to-do list. I have my short-term goals. I have long-term goals. I am a planner, okay? Let me just ask this. This will tell whether or not you're a planner or not. All right? How many of you already have all your Christmas shopping done? Anybody? I mean, I do. You are a planner, okay? If you're here and you haven't even started your Christmas shopping, you are not a planner. In fact, you're probably in trouble, okay? (laughs) Now, now the fact is, is that whether you're a planner or not a planner, the truth is, is that whenever things are not going the way we expect, 
Whenever our script for life is not being played out, we get a little unsettled. We get a little distressed. We lose our peace. We go, God, where are you? And that may be some of you right now. Some of you, your plans are falling apart. I mean, for some of you, maybe you're searching for a job right now whenever, you know, you didn't think you're going to have to be searching for a job this time of year or this part of your life. Or maybe you're facing some health issues that you just didn't plan for. Or maybe this year for Christmas, there's going to be a family member that's missing in your life. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. And that could have happened this year through death or disagreement or divorce. And you go, man, I just did not plan this. And we often in these times and seasons when we're like, this is not going the way I planned, we think, God, where are you in all of this? Well, that could be easily where Mary and Joseph were at, but they weren't. They had peace even when their plans were falling apart. And so let's look at this passage together. It's found in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 1, God's word says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinius was governor in Syria. And all went out to be registered, each to his own hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, that's a feed trough, because there was no place for them in the inn. So here you have this newly married couple. That What do they have to do? They have to leave their home, have to travel down to this small town called Bethlehem. And what's happening? She's at full-term pregnancy and she has her child there. And guess what? There's no room. Now, this is not a plan that they scripted. This is outside their plans. Their world seems to be falling apart. And what do they do? In fact, let's look at some of the stressors that were on their life and, and often are the same as ours. Jot this down. The detours that bring stress. See, we have our plans, and then we have these certain detours in life that cause us to, you know what, get stressed out, right? And a lot of their chaotic stresses of Mary and Joseph are very similar to what happens in our life. Like first, okay, jot this down. They had traveling stress. Traveling stress. Anybody travel during the holidays? I I always travel during the holidays. I mean, Susan's family lives in Texas. My family lives in Florida. And so every time, Christmas season, we're always traveling during the holidays. And it's always stressful, always stressful. But my stress doesn't look anything like their stress. Look at it. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, in that verse, you have two small towns. You have Nazareth. It's up in the north in Galilee. You have Bethlehem. It's in the south, south of Jerusalem. It's a hundred-mile track. And you have to go through valleys and small towns and narrow roads and treacherous, you know, valleys and deserts. I mean, it it was treacherous back then. Most likely it was done on foot. And then you couple that with reality that, okay, you know, a guy would say, okay, I can can make a hundred mile track on my own. This could be dangerous, but I can do it. Okay, you got to bring your wife along. Oh, it's going to change things. Oh, and she's nine months pregnant. Oh my goodness, right? And if Joseph is like any man, he wants to get there as fast as he can. And you can just imagine that every time you turn around, Mary's going, hey, Joseph, can we stop for a rest area, you know? And you're like, oh, never going to get there on time, right? And that's what's going on. And then think of it. 
Today, we would never make a trip like that. That's, that's unthinkable. You don't leave your home and your mother and your doctor and your hospital when you're nine months pregnant. You don't do that. What, what would cause them to do that? Because they've got to take a census. This is not part of their plan, but it was part of God's plan. Okay? They, they had traveling stress. What else do they have? You've got some relational stress going on here. There's relational stress. Many times the Christmas season causes a lot of stress in relationships. And many times there's that one family member that, you know, says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing. It's a little, you're a little awkward around. I don't know. I just think every family has just one psycho member, you know. And you can think about your family going, you know, I don't think we got a psycho member. You're the one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so the fact is, is that you know, a relational stress going on. We talked a lot about this last week, but look at it again. Verse 5. They went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. You go, what? Wait a minute. Betrothed, that means they're engaged, not yet fully married, and she's with child. What is that? Scandal. That's what that is. Here you have two leaders in the local synagogue, and, you know, here's Joseph, the most eligible bachelor, and here's Mary, this young maiden, and when they get engaged, everybody's like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be the wedding of the year. This is amazing. And then she shows up pregnant. And we saw last week, even Joseph didn't believe her. He was going to divorce her. And you know, everybody's, you know, all the rumors, tongues are wagging, and hey, did you hear about Mary? You always know when somebody's about to gossip. They lower their voice and they say, hey, did you hear? Of course, we as Christians, we don't gossip. We just share prayer requests, right? And so what's going on here? Here's Mary and Joseph. They believe a miracle's happened, but nobody else did. And now remember that this is their very first year together as husband and wife. Right? I mean, if think back, you know, if you're, if you're married in that first year, it's a little awkward because you're sort of learning about each other. I heard about one girl who said, Mom, I heard that there's places in the world where women do not know their husbands until they get married. And her mom said, Honey, no woman knows her husband until they get married. It's a discovery for all of us. And that's where they're at. This is this awkward process. Spring training's over. You know, the game has started. And so here it is. They got some relational stress going on, right? But not only relational stress, third thing is they have lodging stress. Lodging stress, right? Their accommodations, awful accommodations. You know the story, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no place for him in the inn. No room for the Son of God. You can imagine, they were looking around. He was probably going from house to house, you know, because there most likely wasn't an inn in Bethlehem. So they're going to homes. Is there a place for us to stay? We've traveled 100 miles. My wife is pregnant. In fact, she's, she's about to give birth, but there was no room. No room. Uh, so they find a smellio stable to put the Son of God in a feed trough. I mean, can you imagine? You're traveling all day. And you're, you're just looking for a hotel, and you're like, oh, surely, finally, a place where we can rest for the night. And you get there, and they say, oh, sorry, no vacancy, or, you know what, we, we lost your reservation. You oh, I can't believe it. I mean, I mean, I can't imagine Joseph. I mean, he's a guy, he's a planner. He, he thought this thing was going to work out, and guess what? All his plans are falling apart here. Now, now the Scripture doesn't specifically mention an innkeeper, um, but, you know, tradition and you know, legend has arisen over time about this innkeeper. I can, one of my favorite stories is that um, there was a church that was putting on their annual Christmas pageant, and the children were playing the different parts. And there was this one boy 
who really wanted the part of Joseph. But when they handed out the parts, he got the part of the innkeeper. And this older boy that he despised got the part of Joseph. And he's like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm going to ruin it for him, right? And I'm going to be the star of this show. And so what he decides to do is that whenever, you know, Joseph comes to the inn, knocks on the door, and says, is there any place to stay? We've been traveling so long. You know, is there a place to stay? And the innkeeper opens the door and says, come on in. I'm going to give you the best room in the house. And everybody's was silent because they're like, oh, my goodness, this is not how the story's supposed to go. Well, Joseph was quick on his feet. He looked through the door and goes, I am not going to let any wife of mine stay in a pigsty like this. Mary, let's go to the barn. <laughs> and the play was back on course. But what we often do is we, we sort of romanticize this, don't we? We, we turn it into a Hallmark card. You know, we've got a little precious moments kind of mindset. We, we just imagine that, you know, all the hay is glowing and fluffy and all the animals have smiles on their faces and they're just sort of this glow over the whole event. But that's not what was going on here. If you want a more accurate picture of what this is like, imagine a teenage girl in the back of an abandoned car down a dark alley. That's what's going on here. You, you understand? No room. They're, they're giving birth to the Son of God. And yeah, I can just imagine that, you know, <clears throat> Joseph going, God, we're your servants. God, aren't you going to take care of us? I mean, God, we, we figured you would, you would at least have a place for us to stay. I mean, we're, we're the parents of the Messiah. I mean, and so, so Mary's giving birth. God, can you give her some kind of, you know, heavenly epidural, no pain? No, there's no epidural, folks. Well, in fact, Genesis 3 said she would give birth in pain to the Messiah. I mean, there was no soft music playing. There's no dimmed lights. No, this was a cave with animals, smelly. This was not part of their plan, but it was God's plan. I mean, think about what are the first senses of the Son of God? His first breath was a musty stable. His first smell was a smell of animal manure. His first feeling was the cold wind of that Bethlehem night. I mean, think about it. Jesus is the architect of the universe, and the best we could give him is a feed trough. Jesus is the light of the world, and yet he's born in total obscurity. Jesus is the king of glory, and he's born in a drab stable. No room, no birth announcement, no congratulations, no baby shower, no room. That's where the Son of God was born. Imagine, Mary and Joseph, this is stressful. This is not according to their plans. Now, I don't know about you, because I am a planner. I don't like it when my plans get blocked, right? And so what happens whenever my plans get blocked and your plans get blocked, something happens. We often lose perspective. We then lose our peace. We, we lose our temper. We, we lose our patience. Well, you know, if it was me, I might have punched the innkeeper. Why? Because we don't like it when our plans get thwarted and stopped. So here's Mary and Joseph, all their plans. No, they didn't write this script. And so that's the bad news, the stresses that happen. Can you relate to Mary and Joseph a little bit here? Now let's look at the positive side. Jot this down. Let's talk about the promises that will bring us peace. What are the promises? There are two promises that we're going to look at today that even whenever your plans are falling apart, God can still give you peace in these times. But it's all going to depend on your perspective and your belief system. In fact, let me illustrate it like this. Take a look at these letters here up on the screen. 
Now, there's two different ways that you can read those letters, right? One is a negative way. You could say, God is nowhere, right? Or you can change your perspective and you can go, God is now here. You see the difference? Either God is nowhere, your plans are all falling apart, and you go, God, you are nowhere in this. Or God is now here. And so what do you do in the stinky stables of life with the dirty donkeys, when the bills are unpaid, when the doctor's tests are bad? What do you do when your plans are falling apart? You can say, God is nowhere. Or you can say, God is now here. Mary and Joseph are now living a script that they didn't write, and yet they hang on to some truths, and it gives them peace even when their plans are falling apart. And so can we. What are they? Here's the two promises. Jot them down. First of all, you've got to trust the providence of God. You've got to trust the providence of God. You go, what does that mean? That means that God is in control. And here's some definitions of the providence of God. It's the protective care of God. It's the preparation of God for future events. God has a plan, and he's working his plan. And can I tell you, all of hell and every human cannot stop and thwart the plan of Almighty God. And so God's working his plan in his life. Now, it may not seem like it's a good plan, but God's still working a plan. Now, there is one verse that you've probably all memorized, and it's just one you've got to cling to in times when your plans fall apart. And that's Romans 8.28. Look at this verse. The Bible promises this. God causes all things. All things is a big word. Good things, bad things, evil things, sinful things, things you bring on yourself, things other people bring on you. God causes all things to work together for good. To who? To everybody on this planet? No. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Mary and Joseph, do they love God? Absolutely. Are they called according to God's purpose? Absolutely. They trusted the providence of God. They knew God would sovereignly work things out for their good. And God's got a plan. God had a plan for bringing his son Jesus Christ to this earth. Look at Galatians 4.4. Paul writes this. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. See, God had this perfect time in human history. God knew exactly when the, the son of God, Jesus, needed to be born He knew exactly where Jesus needed to be born, to which people group, to which family. Jesus knew, God knew exactly which town, Bethlehem. Now, again, on the outside, if you're just looking at all this from the outside, you go, where is God in all of this? I mean, goodness gracious, God, this is terrible timing. You're going to cause your servants, Mary and Joseph, to ever travel 100 miles when she's nine months pregnant? What are you thinking, God? Well, God's thinking, well, I have a plan, and I'm working my plan. And you need to understand, when life, you look at life and it looks like it's out of control, you need to always remember something. God is still on the throne. Anytime that you read the scriptures and you see a glimpse of the throne of God, it is always occupied, folks. And the truth is, is that whenever life seems out of control, you need to trust that God is still on the throne and he's still in control. So is it just coincidental? It's just happenstance that they happen to be in Bethlehem? No. God was working his plan. Why? Because that was one of the prophecies. Look at it. Malachi chapter 5 verse 2 says this. But as for you, Bethlehem, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. This is just one of the hundred plus prophecies about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Jesus fulfilled every one of them. This is how you know who the Messiah is. He fulfills all these prophecies about the Messiah. And one of the first prophecies was that Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so how do you get 
a couple that's about to give birth that lives north in Nazareth to travel 100 miles south to this town called Bethlehem. Because listen, Bethlehem was just a small little village, maybe 300 people. Nobody went to Bethlehem unless you had to, unless God made you. I mean, many of you know, I grew up in a small town in Florida called Why Mama, Florida. True, it's a real place, Why Mama, Florida. Nobody goes to Florida thinking, hey, let's visit Why Mama, Florida. No, you just don't. Only reason you go to Why Mama, Florida is either you know somebody there or God caused you to go there, right? Well, that's the way it is here. Nobody's going to go to Bethlehem. God caused them to go to Bethlehem. Well, how did God do it? Well, who's the most powerful man on the planet? Well, there's this guy called the Emperor of Rome, you know, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. And suddenly he has this thought, hey, I think it's a good idea for me to, you know, take a census of my kingdom. But I'm not just going to count everybody where they're at right now. No, I think they need to go back to the town of their ancient ancestor. That's what they're going to do. And what happens? Suddenly you got this movement going on all over the Roman Empire. People going back to their town of their ancestors. And here's Mary and Joseph. they got to travel all the way down to Bethlehem. Now, do you understand that literally... <laughs> You have the most powerful man on the planet thinking he's making decisions, and all he is is an errand boy for Almighty God. And that's the way it is in your life. This doesn't make any sense. This is not according to our plan. God is sovereign, and whether you can see it or not, there is the unseen hand of the sovereignty of God orchestrating events behind the scenes. And so listen to me. Stop trying to control the uncontrollable. You can't. In those times when your plans fall apart and it seems like life is out of control, you've got to trust, okay, God, you're sovereignly in control. I'm going to trust the providence of God. That's what Mary and Joseph did, and they had peace, and so must you. That's the only way you'll have peace in years like 2020. Only way. In 2020, so many of my plans were blocked. Stressed out. Then you come to the place where you rest in the providence and sovereignty of God. That's it. You've got to learn that. Second promise is this. Shout this down. You trust that God has a purpose. You trust that God has a purpose. There's a reason. There's a reason why God brought them to that stinky stable there in Bethlehem. What was the purpose? Well, the angel makes this announcement. Look at it in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And so here's God sending his son, Jesus Christ. Why did God send him the way he did? I mean, he was not born to royal parents. He was born to peasant parents. Why? Because God wanted you to know that the Messiah didn't come just for the rich and the famous and those that were well-connected. He came for the down and out. He came for the low. He came for every person on this planet. I mean, the Messiah could have come as a conquering king. That's what everybody expected him to come as, right? But he didn't. He came as a helpless baby in a manger. Why? Because God wanted you to know in those moments when you're helpless, Christ came for you. There was a purpose for all of this. In fact, the birth of Jesus Christ, no room, is a picture of the entire life of Jesus Christ, no room. Remember, as an adult, there was no room for Jesus. I mean, Jesus said this, foxes have holes, Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 10. The world was created through him. Did you know Jesus created the world? He did. The world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
You understand, Jesus Christ, when he came, he experienced every sense of rejection and pain and heartache and difficulty that you have. And then ultimately, what happened? He dies on the cross in our place for the penalty for our sin. The wages of sin is death. Jesus took our death. And on the cross, Jesus bore all of our sin, all of our sorrow, all of our grief, all of our heartache, all of our pain. Did he just stay dead? No, he rose again to give you life. There was a purpose for all of this. And even though... Even though we look at what's going on, we go, this doesn't make any sense at all to me. Understand, God's got a purpose. God's sovereign. He's got a plan, and he has a purpose, even when you don't understand it. You go, well, what is that purpose? Well, ultimately, God's purpose was to rescue and redeem all of humanity. But ultimately, that includes you, right? John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world. It's you. That he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has a purpose, and that purpose is you. Now, there's a principle here. You don't have to understand God's plan, because many times it will not make sense to you. But you've got to trust that he's got a purpose behind it, okay? You, you don't always have to understand God's plan, because it is not going to make sense to you. But you've got to trust that God really does have a purpose, and that's how you're going to have peace whenever your plans are falling apart. You're going to trust that, you know what, God is sovereign and Lord over all. God is good. He has a purpose. He loves me with an everlasting love. So I can trust him even when all my plans fall apart. You don't have to understand the plan. Just believe God's got a purpose in all this. Notice how Proverbs 19.21 puts it. Many are the plans in a person's heart. That's you and me but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You see that? We make our plans, God's got his purpose. You don't have to understand God's plan, but you need to trust that God has a purpose. And whenever all life's plans are falling apart and world is chaotic and it's stressful and it seems like things are crashing in on you, what you've got to hang on to is what? You've got to believe and trust in the providence of God and you got to believe that God's got a purpose. And whenever you can trust the providence of God and that God's got a good purpose for you in all this, you can have peace, even when your plans are falling apart. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for another amazing example of Mary and Joseph. I thank you that they said yes to you, even when they didn't understand it all. With your heads bowed and eyes closed right now, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about what is the area, what is the plan right now that's not going the way that you thought, hadn't planned this right now. I want you right now to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this moment. I'm going to trust your providence. I'm going to trust your goodness that you've got a purpose in this. I don't understand it, but God, I'm going to trust you in it. Now, there may be some of you that the, the way you need to respond is by faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the truth is, some of you, you do not have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. You really don't love him. And right now can be the day of salvation for you. If you would call on him, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved right now. That may be your response today. 
Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history, and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.